0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Enzo Tamrini and Callum Stewart back again. Um, well, it's not a defeat that we're back to talk about. It's two draws in a row in the Scottish Championship. It was Friday night football on BBC Scotland and it finished one all through an Airdrie. We'll go back through that game. The um, brief high and a couple of uh, a couple of difficult moments for individual players and perhaps maybe leaving a question mark over where the team goes for next week because this coming Friday, back on Friday night, this time not on the telly, but we're back at Hamden, Uh Something of a, do we call it the Glasgow Derby? I don't know, is there, a, is there a, some kind of new name for it? Uh, we maybe need to come up with one, but we're taking on Partick Thistle at Hampden this coming week and of course we will as well touch on the news that it looks like Marijn Buker is indeed off to Ajax. Uh, Callum and Enzo, Enzo I'll come to you first, it was uh, another horrible night on Friday at Airdrie, you were the, the only one of the three of us that, that braved the conditions. Um, how how did you find the game, obviously from the stands and obviously what did you make of the, the performance on the park? I, um it was a funny one actually because
1: I spent the majority of that first half going there, there for the taking and then obviously they scored before we did, and that was a bit of a blow. And at that point, I I didn't really just based on how this season's been going so far, I didn't really fancy us to to come back into it. But ultimately, we managed to scrape a point. Um, you could probably, I mean, you could possibly argue that either team had they been a bit more clinical, would have maybe won that three or four one at that point. But or it could have potentially been four each if if, if uh, both teams now put the ball in the back of the net. Um, can imagine it was a particularly entertaining one for the neutrals watching it on TV, but it's it's a bit of, it's a bit unusual actually because I feel as though we were talking about the game obviously we, we were messaging back and forward whilst I was there and you guys were watching it at home and I felt as though there was a bit more positivity at the game than what I've read online from people who weren't there and it's not because I think people who were there thought that we were great or anything like that and nothing you know there was nothing to to be jumping for joy about after that performance and that result but. It did feel as though we were slightly less doomed based on that performance. It felt as though we had something to build upon, and that has, that's been one of my major complaints over the past, God, we're, we're probably talking, what, two months or something like that at this point? Um, it's been that we've we've been toiling, and there hasn't really been... There haven't been any positives. There haven't been things where you've gone, right, okay, at least that was all right, that was okay, and if that can improve, we might find ourselves in a good place. At least we had some semblance of that on Friday night, so... I'm feeling slightly better about things, but we we really need to start getting wins, otherwise that's not going to last very long.
2: i it's kind of in the margins a bit, isn't it? When you're just when you're coming up against teams like Airdrie and Morton, who you feel like are there for the taking. And I think obviously you mentioned that you were you're pretty positive of the game. I found watching the game on TV really frustrating because I think I think Airdrie were there for the taking. I suppose we were as well, but I think more than anything, it felt like I was watching two teams who were trying to play good football who are not very good at it overall. And I think that was kind of shown by the fact that both goals in the game come from pretty horrible errors, like defensive errors from trying to pass out for the back, whether that be us or Airdrie. I don't think it was particularly brilliant to watch on that front. But if I'm trying to put a bit more of a positive spin on it, we didn't lose. That's something.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly.
2: I Yeah, which is obviously massively important. I feel like we did have a fair few chances, but for me, there is still just this big recurring theme of individual errors happening game after game, which which just isn't resolved yet, unfortunately.
1: So, do you know what, Right, just on your point there, that it felt like two teams trying to play football who aren't very good at it, I think I understand where you're coming from. What I would maybe say is that it's two teams trying to play a style of football that they're not quite suited to because I think there are talented players in both teams I think Eardry do have a couple of really good uh, players there as well, a couple of guys I'd probably take in our squad if um, if I had the opportunity to take them, um, it's just, it feels as though you've got two managers that are trying to force a style of play that they're maybe not ready for or that they're maybe not even built for overall um, and I, I guess both managers probably have they're probably both of the mindset that, that with a bit more time and 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 playing in that shape, that formation, that style, eventually it will all click. Um, but it, it remains to be seen whether it will actually click for for both or either of them.
0: Yeah, let's have a look at the actual game and, and what went on on the night. Uh, we'll start with the Queen's Park starting at 11. It was Callum Ferry in goals. You had Ben McPherson coming back in at right-back in place of Lucas McCormick. You then had Will Tizard coming in for Charlie Fox alongside Alex Bannon and... Tommy Robson, you had the three jacks in centre mid, then you had Louis Longridge on the wing in place of, um, oh sorry it was Turner actually coming out for Hepburn, and Longridge then goes on to right wing, Dom Thomas on the left, Rudy Payton up front, um, I, I suppose not really any surprise, I suppose the only surprise would have been Hepburn being dropped uh, from the start in eleven. Louis Longridge just filling in, in another position this time going to to right midfield or or right wing which I suppose is perhaps his more traditional position um if you would but yeah as I say really not too much to concern with that starting lineup and especially not with the way that Queens Park started in the first I would say probably half an hour of the game aside from a couple of counter attacks from Airdrie which were predominantly long balls because of course we were playing such a high line knocking it around with the, the back four, they were sitting very close to the, the halfway line. So it was leaving gaps in behind, but for the most part, we were, in fact, I think we were the better team, it goes without saying, in that first half hour of the game. Uh, we had a few really good chances, Louis Longridge did have a great chance where he was in a, a tight angle and took the shot on. He probably could have cut it back to, to Jack Turner just on the edge of the six-yard box, but he went for it himself. Jack Turner himself, then shortly after that, had a couple of headers that were either blocked or or off target. Um, you know, Edwin, you were saying it, it felt positive in the stands for, for the fans that were there. I see that that first half hour surely must have helped that.
1: Yeah, and I think I think a lot of the talk was also about how Airdrie probably didn't start the game that well. I think what we were saying was this team are there for the taking because they, they don't look very good. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful sense. They just didn't start very well. We, we did look considerably better than them in the early stages. Um, but the problem is obviously there have been so many times this season where we have looked potentially capable of doing something and we just haven't done. And and it's strange because I feel as though I can understand this team having some defensive woes. Like it, it makes sense. But see, when you look at the guys we have at the top end of the park, we, we should we should be scoring more than what we are, and, and we were scoring actually in the early stages of the season. Um and the questions that I have surrounding that are is it purely because of the way that they're playing? Like is, is it because they are reluctant to take shots because they've been told only to shoot in certain like under certain circumstances, or is it actually because they're lacking in confidence a wee bit? And if it's the lack of confidence, I do really feel as though Friday night might have made them feel a bit better about it, and, and we could potentially kick on a wee bit this this coming Friday night. Um, but yeah, overall, I, w- I would say there was a, there was this this feeling that we could certainly get a result on Friday. Obviously didn't last uh, didn't last much longer than the, the early stages of the first half and and i i think we were probably a bit a bit surprised by the way the edry goal came about
2: yeah i think i think on the lineup in, in regards to sort of making our team a bit more attacking i think it was peyton i can't remember if it was peyton i think it was peyton in one of the interviews and he was saying that we're not getting guys enough into the into the box enough which I think is pretty evident because he always seems to be standing up on his own, basically, and he gets a ball of feet or he's having to come deep for it, etc. And I wonder if that's why they were trying to play Turner where he was to get him in and around the box a wee bit more. I was kind of surprised to see Hepburn dropped, and I think on the lineup as well. The other one which stood out for me on a couple of occasions is Fox not starting again, and also when they took off Tizard, which we'll come to, Fox was not the first choice there either, which seems like a a pretty wild fall from grace, considering he was, on paper, our our number one centre-back, arguably getting put down to fourth, which I thought was a bit surprising. Um, But yeah, I still think think there's work to be done in terms of that attacking side of the game, because you're totally right. We do have the guys that, that should be creating more chances, and it feels like we get into such good positions so often, like you're, you're at the edge of the box, you're 1v1 etc cetera, etc cetera, and we just never seem to make the most of it which is the frustrating part. That's the bit where I'm kind of like I'm hoping that will just click at some point and it'll start to come together and we'll go on a wee bit of run with the goal scoring side. It's a defensive side of it where I'm like wanting to see something structurally different because it still isn't doing what it should do and it all comes back down to that high line really. Well I, I, okay so yeah definitely the high line is problematic right but
1: one of my major concerns at this point about the defence is that we really don't have a settled. You, you mentioned that there we had Charlie Fox. Not only did they not start, but he didn't even come off the bench when we were looking to make that change at the back. The fact that we don't have a settled defensive partnership is it's got to be it's got to be a factor here because you've got a group of players who are playing a style of football that is still relatively new to them all, um, and you're constantly chopping and changing. You know whether it's uh, banning. Um, Fox, Tizard, whoever, and then obviously and the Reed as well. And the right-backs as well. Like, I think if we're going to see that defence shore up a little bit and, and stop leaking so many daft goals and stop letting defenders get behind them so easily, you need. To, I think Velma needs to commit to who he wants to to be and, and who he trusts as he's starting two centre-halves in particular. Um, I don't necessarily know who that is at this point, but the, the way... The way you're constantly changing things up they're not getting to know each other i know that they're training all, you know they're training all day every day together as well but that's not it's not a real replacement for for actually doing it in a, in a match day scenario and and
0: i think that is a big factor here it does feel a little bit strange. I think we could probably go back to the last six weeks or so, and you probably look at the lineups, and yeah, you probably got at least two of the back four are being changed every week for for one reason or another. Um, it, it's always and it is very strange to say, especially not see uh, a settled starting centre back pairing. And um, got to agree with you both there. It's it is something that perhaps is I don't know if it's causing the issues. I think, but I think more often than not, we're just shooting ourselves in the foot, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But it is it is do you think it's still i mean we're now a quarter of the way into the season we've played every single team once is it still Veldman maybe trying to figure out who he li- who he likes who he thinks are his his first choice pairing is he st- should he still be trying to work that out by now you would you would hope that he would know that surely i think that's what it is yeah i don't I don't think there's any other
1: explanation for it than that i, I don't think it's just you, you know you sometimes get managers that like to rotate normally you would only do that when you're comfortable with everybody but for me it looks as though he's maybe not comfortable with any of them and that's why he keeps chopping and changing Um I think that I think that's exactly what it is he's just not 100% sure what the best tooth to, to stick with is. but it's a decision that he is gonna have to make because for that to improve in the long run I really do think two of them two of the what four center halves that we realistically I mean you're, you're talking as between Fox Tizard uh, Bannon, and probably Reed struck his name in the hat as well after his performance on Friday. Would you say that that's fair? I, you thought, you need, yeah, I definitely would, yeah. I think you need to commit. You need to commit to two of them and give them a fair run together, otherwise it, it's never really going to properly click.
2: That's where it's interesting, right? Because see when uh, see when he substituted Tizard, there was a, obviously after the game, they, they got Feldman on and they were doing a bit of chat on the TV with them and they asked him about the substitution. And I was curious as to what his reaction was going to be, and he was quite sort of empathetic towards it, basically saying he he realises how hard that is in the guy, but he has a professional responsibility to get the team to win, and basically we're no winning games, and he can't afford that right now. So it it comes back to that balancing act, doesn't it, between trying to get a group of young guys to turn into solid professional footballers that play a particular way versus not getting relegated.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He did actually come on. Uh, you know, I was, I'm going to come on to that as well, Cal. He did come on in um, BBC Scotland in the post-match punditry, and he did kind of he kind of owned that decision, didn't he? Where certainly a lot of his we'll move on to the goal right after right now, but a lot of his um, you know on WhatsApp and online and stuff did think it was a bit. It felt a bit harsh on, on Will Tizzard to be substituting him in that manner. But unfortunately, He can't deny that it was his mistake, and it was the the third sort of real half chance that gifted Airdrie, that this one was in fact taken, it did make it 1-0, it was Callum Gallagher that, that scored it, um, you know, we're playing football, on the halfway line, Will Tisler's under no pressure at all really, takes a couple of touches, takes a third touch, and just completely overhits it, goes chasing the ball, um, it's young, is it McStravick, I think it is, uh, the, yeah, McStravick that that tackles him, wins the ball back, and because our line is so high up, Gallagher's in his own half. He's just waiting for that through ball. He's played in one on one against Callum Ferry. Um and he and he finishes to to make it one 0 And I don't even think the kickoff was taken, was it? And Will Tizard was subbed off and had to walk around the park. I did notice that he did walk straight down the tunnel after that as well, which, you know, as I say, first first of all talk about uh, let's talk about the goal itself first, and then we'll come on to the actual substitution uh, talking point there. Uh there's not really too much to say about the goal, is it? It's just a really poor mistake from Tizard, and it's an unbelievably costly one. Yeah, it was. It was,
2: it was poor, and ah, uh, it is. It is so difficult, right? Because this is with like the man management side. You, I guess you'll we'll see over the next few weeks how good it is from Veldman because he's going to have to pick him up off the floor, and rightly so. A lot of people are saying that it was a very, very harsh decision. But if you look at, if you remove that from, like, the sort of emotional side from it, he was having a poor game. Like, I think Tizard has a lot to offer, right? But he's clearly still got a bit of development, I think, in the old, like, football and brain or whatever you want to call it, because he does have these sort of rash (laughs) moments. And that was basically the third instance of him getting the ball at his feet and just passing it to the opposition team or losing the ball within a pretty short period of time. So... Even if he was going to sub him at half time after he does that makes such a glaringly obvious error. I mean, I can understand why he felt like he had to take him off there because I mean six, seven minutes and if you include injury time or whatever, there's every chance that to just lump it on him again and it goes and it goes wrong. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult, but that is the like we are a professional football team and they are gonna to have to deal with that kind of stuff if they're not performing well, unfortunately. I'm just at this stage. I'm not convinced from what I've seen so far that whatever's happening to the guy off the guys off the pitch, that they're getting put in the right mental state to compete in these games. Because again, it's week. It was banning the week before. It was tizzed this week. It was fox. He was removed, etc. I agree with what you say to a degree, Enzo. I think there has to be a bit of face shown and a, in a at some point. To try and build some sort of confidence between them because if they're thinking every time they make a mistake, well, that's me out for three weeks, you're just going to be walking on eggshells.
1: Yeah, no, I yeah. agree with Listen, in, t- in terms of Tizard, it was, I understand why some people were a bit disappointed with him making that substitution immediately. Like it, it but I get what you're saying as well, Callum. Like, it had, had he stayed on, we could have potentially you know if, if they are if they've identified a potential weakness and i, I don't think there is necessarily a weakness i think that would be harsh i just mean you you've made a couple of mistakes already you you make a mistake that costs you a goal your head goes down it could be that you're not you're not 100% on your game at that point and then we could have potentially found ourselves to nothing down. i can understand the decision to take him off i can also understand the people that think it would have been better for him just to wait until half time and and him going directly down the tunnel that we don't know what that is we don't know if that's because he's he's upset at being substituted off or whether he's he's frustrated with his own performance who knows um but i i agree with you it's just there needs to be a commitment to back to at least for a few weeks to see if something can develop that that looks like a a decent a decent defensive pair uh defensive pair otherwise this is gonna. This is just going to be like a cycle that, that that keeps going on for for far too long. We can't really afford that.
0: It was Lewis Reed that was brought on for Will Tizzard, and you kind of already mentioned that he has potentially chucked his name into the hat to be a starting choice centre back. With a, I mean, I would a, say 100% a hundred percent has. I thought it was um, great. Yeah, he had a, a a really good performance for. I think that would have been around about fifty minutes or so against Airdrie. Um He didn't really. I don't. I don't really recall him put a foot wrong. Um, as he again Andrew, I'll come to you first because you were at the at the actual park and at the ground what what was the the thoughts in the in the crowd on the night? It was just everybody was speaking so highly of them it was a very very positive
1: response to it, it was a fantastic performance I think um and it's exciting that we have these young I mean it's it, <laughs> on paper the idea of reading Bannon is pretty scary because they are so young and inexperienced but they're too incredibly talented players um, and, and I, I don't think I wouldn't be shocked to see them both start on Friday night now that does give me the fear a wee bit when you look at the, the kind of players that Thistle have got and, and how badly they've punished us the past few times that we've played against them but I would sort of respect Veldman actually if he if he did have the, the courage to, to chuck them both into a game like that
2: Oh yeah I, it's, I so, it's a I, frightening I, one. It is, it is, because when you look at that, when you when you look at the ages and stuff like that, it is insanely young, and Thistle did look incredibly, I mean, just streaks ahead of us the last time that we played them. But, I mean, you're choosing between a bunch of guys who's young. We're we're talking about the only one who I guess you could class as older, really, is Charlie Fox. So if Reid is up to it just now, then I guess you, you give him a go. What I don't want is we start firing in guys who okay fair enough they've earned their opportunity and stuff like that but i don't kind of want to throw them to the flames do you know what i mean and i think that is a balancing act as well for a guy who hasn't been a first team starter i don't think there's ever been an intention that he would be a first team starter this season and then suddenly it's like i going to get us out of hole when we're playing absolutely horrendous and now you're coming up against partick thistle who i know they've been on a poorer run of form recently but they are still a very good side but Maybe these are the opportunities that these guys thrive on. Do you know what I mean? If he's if he's sitting in young QP doing really, really well, then I'm sure he'll be absolutely buzzing to get called up and just fingers crossed if he does that um it, it comes with a good performance. Because it would it would be it would be great see to have a, a four centre back that we can we can rely on throughout the season and we know has a bit of pedigree, it, it would be it would be massively beneficial because it looks like we are going to continue rotating for a while yet.
0: Yeah, it definitely does. There's um, a couple of obviously Robin Velman made a big decision on the night. Subbing Walters early. Uh, I I've got to be honest. I I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it at the at the moment. But when he came on and talked about it after the game, I I do kind of respect that he he owned the decision and he said, you know, I had I had to make it and everything like that. And there's been plenty of criticism from from some fans that uh, you know about him, you know, especially online. Um, you know, there's been plenty of talks about the project, blah, 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 this and that, so maybe decisions like that one, and perhaps next week, if he perhaps does indeed follow our advice and give Lewis Reid a shot, it might show that uh, he's willing to take those chances and make those big decisions. Um, We did get in, uh, straight after that goal, (laughs) Airdrie did go up the park and have another couple of chances, which Callum Ferry thankfully saved, so we did get in at half-time, 1-0, Second half started and thankfully I don't think even got to the 46th minute when it was one-all. Um, Airdrie making their own mistake at the back, knocking the ball about. It was the goalkeeper Josh Ray who went to play a pass, I think it was to the centre half, and completely missed his target, hit the ball straight to Jack Spong. And he hit it first time to Jack Turner who was on the edge of the box, uh, completely unmarked. Just turned round, skinned the keeper Ray and managed to thread it through a couple of uh, sliding Airdrie defenders on the goal line to to level the score. Uh, you know, plenty has been said about both of these teams, you know, Airdrie and Queen's Park, are playing football the right way and all that kind of stuff. And it says a lot that the two goals in the game did come from, I think you said it earlier on, Cal, but the two goals in the game came from two just really poor defensive errors, and that was the only way there was any kind of breakthrough.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- Exactly. But I don't think there's really too much to to dwell on in this goal. I mean, it's it's good to see Turner further up the pitch, I guess, which is what I was referring to a wee bit earlier because we've seen him in a few different positions this season, um, and I still don't think he's he's kind of found his his way in this squad yet. But I believe that is a couple of goals that he's got now at least, which is good. And we do need more goals from the our sort of midfield or even our wingers like Hepburn and and Thomas because we can't rely on Payton and. If Peyton isn't getting the service that he needs, then other guys have to be creating that pressure. Um, yeah, I think it's it was just indicative of the game, really, wasn't it? It was two sides that are passable about well, but got a got a bit of a howler in them, and it, it played out twice. I, I, I thought
1: he took it well. To be fair, um, it wasn't. It was obviously a bad mistake. Um, the, the pass out was was ridiculous, and I'd have been absolutely raging if, if we had done something like that. Um but I think it's fair to say that he, he controlled it well and he, he you know he was pressured by a couple of defenders and, and he managed to finish it nicely as well.
2: One good yep. uh, one, one good point which I don't think we've touched on in this game, I thought that was Ben McPherson's best performance for us since joining. And I feel what? like that was the the first game where I seen what I kind of hoped we were going to be getting. And It was reflected, I think, even when watching it on the TV, the commentary team were were very complimentary about him throughout the game. And I was actually quite surprised. I realised it was probably for tactical reasons that he got the the hook for Hepburn at 80 minutes. But I thought he had a had an excellent game.
1: Yeah, he did. Um, and he he was actually voted into the SPFL team of the week earlier on today as well. Now I recognise that a lot of games were off at the weekend, but it's nice to it's nice to get that bit of. Um, that we accolade that just just recognizing that he, he did put in a good performance I thought he played really well Um I still have I still have some concerns about him defensively but I thought he looked really really sharp going forward so I, I'd like to see him build up on that because he's not really because I thought his, his very first game against the Broth, he looked pretty good going forward that week as well uh, and then since then he's, he's fallen away a little bit but to be fair, so is the rest of the team, so maybe it's just a case of he's one of these players that, that needs everyone around him to be doing things properly as well for, to, to really bring out the best in him. But hopefully,
0: hopefully you can maintain that level of performance. No, he did, he, he, I've got to echo what you both said, he did have his definitely his best game since he joined Queen's Park. Uh, I mean, there was a couple of good performances, I thought Jack Swan was back to, he's maybe had a quick, quite a couple of weeks himself, I thought he was back to to playing really well in midfield. I still, I still think Longridge had a good game as well, um, he was involved a couple of times, he had that chance in the first half, he, uh, he knocked down a, a, a long ball from Robson to give Peyton his, his one real chance of the game, where it was a really nice header back to Peyton, and he, Peyton forced a good save from, from Josh Ray in the middle of the second half. Um, there, was, there was a few good performances, I think, as well, Callum Ferry, I mean, once again, he had, when you watch back the highlights, he, I think he had maybe five saves. Like five really good saves and it was that double save late on after the the red card, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um he you know, Callum Ferry did keep us in that game again late on with um, with his double saves there. So I don't know, I don't know if you recall Enzo on the bus who was given the man of the match. Obviously McPherson got the team of the week and he was the the BBC man of the match as well. I, I assume the bus may may have echoed that.
1: Yeah, it was pretty um there was a pretty big gulf between him and the other um the other options as well. I think Ferry got a few votes, possibly a couple for Longridge too, but but McPherson won it pretty overwhelmingly yep. pretty overwhelmingly if I remember correctly.
0: Fair enough. That that makes complete sense. Well, before we move on, let's talk about the, the final talking point of this game, which was a late, late red card for for Barry Hepburn. Um mentioned earlier on he came on with about 10, ten, fifteen minutes to go in the game. And I think it was the ninety-second minute. He's into the into the corner flag. He's chasing a a, a long ball down. Um, he's battling with Mason Hancock, the Airdrie defender. And I mean, I I stand by. I still think that he's perhaps maybe pushed a little bit too hard for for it to not be given as a foul. Um, but certainly, the two of them end up on the deck and. Barry Hepburn does sort of kick his leg out once, maybe even twice. I don't think that he makes an awful lot of contact, but it doesn't matter. You cannot kick out at an opponent like that. You can't make it that obvious with the linesman and the referee looking right at him. The referee stopped the game, went over, red card, and Barry Hepburn was up the road. Um, I'm assuming that's... what that be classed as violent conduct or something? So was, be more than, it'll be more than one game, won't it?
1: Yeah, it'll be two games... I'm pretty sure it's two games if I if I remember correctly. Um violent con- well, it is violent conduct. It's not yeah, it's not necessarily dangerous. He, he was never going to kill the guy with a kick like no. that, but but there's no excuse for lashing out at an opposition player. It's a game on TV as well, that's so stupid. Like you know for a fact that you're gonna get caught. Because the thing is he could have potentially, if I'm not mistaken, got into trouble that for that even afterwards because it was all recorded and stuff, even if he hadn't been sent off. Does that, yeah. does that not sometimes happen with games that are
0: on TV for, for violent conduct? It could be, yeah. Um, the, what do they call it? The, was it not the compliance officer or something like that aye. that gets these referrals and stuff so if the if a referee misses something? So, yeah, because that game's on the TV, it could easily have been picked up. Airdrie could have put in a, you know, a, a complaint or something like that. And yeah, it could have been picked up. So, yeah, I mean, just... As I say, I know. I say he didn't make an awful lot of contact, but you're absolutely right. There's there's no excuse for for kicking out. It was daft, and well, he's going to pay the price. He's he's going to be out for at least two weeks.
1: Yeah, it was it was like you say. There's, you just can't justify that. Why would you do that? You've been on the park for a few. Just I'm just thankful that it didn't happen earlier on in the game because I think had we been ten men down with even. 10 more minutes to play. I have a horrible feeling Airdrie would have managed to find the, the back of the net again um, and yeah. they'd have taken advantage of the, the extra space that they would have had. But fortunately, that wasn't to be. And uh, hopefully, he realizes how, how stupid a thing that was to do. It was just totally unnecessary. You wonder if there's maybe a, a degree of frustration from him not having started. I don't know. And he's, he's maybe lashing out for that because it didn't, it was pretty, the, the whole series of events leading up to that felt pretty innocuous to me. Like there was no justification for him to be so frustrated i I have no idea what he was thinking
0: yeah as i say there was a a a wee bit of a coming together but there really wasn't too much in it at all was there
2: Nah, there was there was nothing i mean it's the sort of one that if you weren't going by the rule book you would say that ridiculous that he's getting sent off by that but everybody knows that you just can't do it like it's it's simple and he knew it as well as soon as he stood up he was clearly annoyed to himself and yeah i'm just putting it down to a, a moment of madness more than anything else not thinking, maybe you're right. Maybe it is born a frustration from I guess the run and and what we've been on form wise. But it wasn't a particularly feisty game. It wasn't like that was sort of leading up to anything. It was just a wee bit of stupidity from Hepburn that's that's going to cost us for a few games because he should be one of those impact players. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I guess it will mean likely for for Thistle that we see Longridge out
0: in the right again. Yeah, you see his frustration, he was obviously, or rather for him, unfortunately positioned a, a BBC camera right behind the goal and it captured his big long walk right the way back to the, right the way back around the park to the tunnel. You could definitely see the frustration on his face there. Um, yeah, that, that well, you say as well, Enzo, you're lucky that didn't happen any earlier in the game because even at that, the 92nd minute, Airdrie still had two chances where... Again, Callum Ferry, I think one of them even came off his face. I don't even think he actually got a hand to it. A um, couple of late saves to ensure that we kept a hold of a point. And indeed we did, so one all at the Excelsior Stadium. Uh, Enzo, your man of the match, but I think we know who it might be. Yeah, it was Ben McPherson. Callum? 100% agree. 3 from 3, Ben McPherson, our man of the match for the Airdrie draw. So let's have a quick look at what else happened in the championship last weekend. So, so you had the Arbroath uh, Wraith games and Inverness Morton games called off. The Inverness Morton game was called off quite late on, actually. For a call, was it not? Like quite Saturday morning, kind of thing that caused a wee bit of frustration with them. But get it up them. Uh, you also had <laughs> yeah. You, you also had, beaten Dunfermline one 0 and Dundee United scudding Partick Thistle five now, including a hat trick from former Partick Thistle player Kevin Holt, including one was a an absolute screamer from about thirty yards as well. Uh that was quite a I mean you expect Dun I think everybody now you can see Dunn United are up and running. They're storming away already at this moment in time. I don't think any certainly season I don't think anybody doubted they'd win the league, but that's still quite a quite a result for them at Farhill, isn't it? When it is
1: by quite so many i thought they would win i thought they'd maybe win two or three now um and when it, yeah, it got to three now i thought right okay that's kind of what you expect and this is this is the dundee united i think we were all anticipating before the season started i mean when you look at their squad there's absolutely no excuse for them not absolutely strolling this league their, their squad on paper is is very good it's, it's the best by quite some distance and i think they will um but if they're yeah if they're going to go out Beating teams like Thistle five 0 away on a regular basis, then they'll probably have it wrapped up by about I don't know late February, early March.
2: <laughs> Aye, we, you you wouldn't expect any nails from Dundee United, though. You just need to look at the starting eleven, and it's it's streets ahead of everybody in the league. So, um, I think they they could do that, and will continue to do that for teams who are objectively at the sort of upper end of the the league table. But flip side of that is Thistle are not on the best runner form because. They drew at Inverness the week prior. They beat Dunfermline the week before that, which was which was a good win three 0 But the week prior to that they lost three 0 to Arbroath. So they've only had one win in four. So they're not on they're not on the best run. So I'm I'm using that as a wee bit of like motivation that hopefully it means it will compete a wee bit better than we did the last time.
0: You're getting the, the positivity started nice and early, Calma like oh, that. I'm Ed. trying,
2: by the way. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I, I'm clutching to anything that I can find at this point.
0: let me me bring you back down to earth a little bit by running through the league table so (laughs) we've got as we say Dundee United out in first place 21 points Um, all the teams are kind of 8 or 9 games and we've played the most with (laughs) 10 games which a little bit of a concern to me when you look at the league table but let me run through the points anyway so Dundee United on 21 Wraith on 17 Thistle are in third on 14 points Airdrie on 13, both on 12 as our heir, then you've got Dunfermline and ourselves on 11 points, and then Inverness and Morton below us on 5, so see what I'm slightly concerned is, well, you do look at it, we've played 10 games, Inverness and Morton below us, they are 6 points behind, they've both played 8 games, but one of those games of course is against each other, so thankfully both couldn't catch us, but... Just a little bit. We, you know, I think you said it. Earlier, you know, right at the very beginning. So this run needs to, this run of good results and runs of wins needs to needs to start. It needed to start four weeks ago. It needs to start now.
1: Yeah. Listen. What I would say, I totally agree that it's not ideal that we've played a couple of games more than a few teams, right? But we just need to focus on our own games and and let everything else take care of itself. There's no point in worrying about whether Morton beat. Wraith or whether Inverness managed to get a result against their growth because that could potentially negatively impact us, you just need we just need to start winning because the thing is this league is going out with Dundee United who I do think are going to absolutely walk run away with it come we'll see them taking a, a real kind of clear, creating a real kind of clear gap within the next couple of months and they will run away with it um, I actually think it's going to be quite a close league other than that and the crazy thing is we're only a couple of wins away from and, and a couple of decent performances, more importantly, that come with six points, ideally, from going, right, okay, suddenly we're, we're in the hunt for the playoffs, because that's that's the kind of league it is. Um, and I would say, at least at this stage, more importantly, putting a wee bit of a gap between us and the sides below is I think we really need to just hope that Morton don't improve and hopefully they just kind of work their way tragically and hilariously towards League One and we don't have to worry about the bottom place too much. Um but we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how the next couple of weeks go. That'll give us a, a really clear indication of whether everything that's that been going on so far has genuinely been building towards something that, that will see us pick up more points or whether you know serious changes are required.
2: Yeah, if we're, if we're looking at the table and trying to predict what's going to happen at this point after seeing, uh, seeing us play most teams once, I think for me, Dundee United, Wraith and Thistle I, I I think they'll break away from the rest of the pack personally. And then from what I've seen so far, I think most of the other teams are relatively interchangeable. I think Morton are, clearly, are, are definitely the worst side that I've seen this season alongside our both at the time, although they've became much better since that point, annoyingly. Um, but I'm not convinced that they'll hold that out for the rest of the season. So I think it will chop and change. I'm just praying that we can get some change on our front soon. Uh, so that we've got something a wee bit more interesting to talk about than worrying about whether we're going to come last.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed those positive results coming. I mean, there would be few teams that would be more pleasing to beat than Partick Thistle so this Friday. We'll come on to that shortly. We'll do our news roundup first. We have, of course, I've got one big uh, one big news topic to cover. So quickly, the other QP results from the weekend. You had, uh, well, You had the QP supporters team on Saturday morning losing 3-1 to the Airdrie supporters team. Um, get that one out of the way, that's done. Uh, and QP Women on Sunday, they won 4-0 against Gart Cairn. It was another hat-trick from Ellie Kane and uh, a goal from Abbey Callaghan, so the two usual scorers, but Ellie Kane continuing to absolutely bang them in for QP Women. So yeah, they continue to continue to lead the SWPL2 right now and it's, uh, it's a great time for them. I mean, so <laughs> she's now scored sixteen
1: goals in eight games. I think
2: that's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which that at, any le- at any level of football is absolute nonsense. So she's, uh, yeah, she's probably going to end up winning the um, the Player of the Month again as well. <laughs> uh, <the hat-trick, laughs> which would be, hat-trick, which hat-trick, would be three female. in a row, and and yeah. that obviously doesn't happen very often um, anywhere. So yeah, she's 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 on fire, and, and so are the women. And uh, yeah, I went the. I believe that's them. now that went into the second half of. Fixtures, um, doing really well. A uh, the, the big game against Kilmarnock, I believe, that's that's the one they really look forward to. I don't think that's until December though, if I remember correctly. Um, but they're, they're not going to be focusing too much on that. They'll be taking a week by a week and, and, and seeing how they get on, but they're, they're playing fantastically right now.
0: Yep, great to see them winning every week. And I uh, it's always great to see a player, uh, a Queen's Park player banging in the goals like Ellie Carey is right now. So yeah, well done, especially. Um, our big talking point this week is of course the one that we touched on last week and it's kind of been simmering a little bit but it seems like it's going to be um, it's, it seems like it's imminent to be confirmed that Marijn uh is going to be leaving Queen's Park and it looks like he's depending where you're reading depending what you believe he's either about to accept or he has accepted a role with Ajax it looks like it's going to be a similar role to what he's doing at Queen's Park it's like a a director of football and and kind of revamping their, you know their their backroom scene and everything everything like that everything that's he's done here it looks like he's been asked to do at Ajax. Obviously, this comes from Ajax having a pretty shambolic start to their season. I think they find themselves in if it's not last place, it must be one of the relegation playoff spots that are in the the Dutch top flight. So, of course, they are hitting the panic button because, I mean, let's be honest, they are an absolutely massive club, aren't they? Um, they're hitting the panic button. I think they've sacked the manager. They brought in Louis van Gaal, who, of course, knows Marianne Buker very well, and that's where the link appears to have come from. So, where does that leave Queen's Park? <laughs> More importantly, we don't really care about Ajax, do we? We care about oh. what's happened in the south side of Glasgow. And where do you, well, Enzo, you first, where do you think that leaves us? Can I just
1: actually, you just go back very slightly to say, I agree, I don't I don't care about Ajax, to be honest with you at all. Um, and, and to be honest, I think it'd be hilarious if a club like that managed to get relegated from any league in Europe. It'd be, it'd be a good laugh to see, because their fans have been going absolutely nuts um, just from the fact that they've well, had start of the season. If I've, I've, I've disrupted so many games already. I, it's, it's pretty much every single week. But see, the thing that I'm a wee bit confused about, actually, is that what... Bucher does and his job and his role at any club he's been at isn't going to turn their season around. He's he's not in a position to do that. He's not the manager. He's not going to be able to do anything between now and the end of the season to to fix what has been a, a terrible start. Listen, they're probably not going to go down, right? But let's be honest, even finishing fifth or sixth or something is a terrible result for a club like that. Um, and I'm I'm just a wee bit surprised that that's where they're looking to right now because they. They surely have other priorities elsewhere if they want to try and fix the season. But anyway, moving on to the things that really matter, and and that's us in Queens Park. Um, I have no idea. I really don't. I don't know what this means for us. I think, I think the the really important thing to consider is obviously, like B- Buker has said in the past. You know, he's obviously yes, he's got a ten-year contract, but realistically, that doesn't mean he's definitely going to be here for 10 years we always knew that at some point it was possible that he may accept a job elsewhere and he just stepped down for one reason or another Um the key thing for the continuity of the club and, and what the club is trying to achieve is how much of a difference has he been able to make so far what processes and systems has he been able to implement and what changes has he made from from the way things were before that allow this to to move on in the right direction. That's that's the really key thing for me. Um, and I suppose these are all things that would be discussed and considered during any sort of notice period, as it were, that he may have to give with the club. Um, and at the same time, by the way, I know that people are panicking, right? But Bucher doesn't seem like the kind of guy to me who's just going to jump ship without caring about what happens. here. And I think he would certainly be involved in any sort of recruitment process to, to, to bring in a replacement and in that role, assuming the club Plans on carrying on with someone in that role, which I suspect they probably would. I don't think it's just going to be a case of okay, um, who can be, who, who's the first name that will that will take it? Because not, I'm sure there was a lot of time and effort went into selecting Bucher in the first place, and I'd be fairly confident in saying the same thing would happen with with a replacement.
2: Yeah, I. What do I think about this? I mean. A, it's, it's unsettling. I think it, it comes at a time where I think as fans we're all a wee bit concerned about lots of aspects of the club with the on-team performances, off steel stuff etc cetera, etc cetera. and to then have another one of your sort of senior stakeholder, your senior management potentially about to up sticks is, is never it's never ideal when you don't know what's going to come next. I think when we spoke to Bucher when we did the the episode with him at the start of the season and he basically said like success for him at a club would be him no longer being needed because everything's set up and it can just continue on without him because he's not gonna he knows he's not gonna be there for an infinite amount of time. How far down that road we are, I'm not so sure. Uh, it's obviously I mean, it was well rumoured there was a 10-year contract that he signed and we're only a few years into that. And I'm not sure we're going to see the the tangible results from it yet. So what does that mean for the general infrastructure of the club? So obviously we've signed quite a few other Dutch uh, colleagues to run the youth team, assistant manager, et cetera, et cetera. Veldman, obviously everything comes back to Bucher from the player signings, from the loans, Basically, all of the football activity from the first team downwards all comes back to Bucher and his philosophy, his ways of working, etc. And the bit that I'm worried about, I think more than anything, is what will be the decision-making process if he does end up leaving and who's running it at this stage. Because if we don't go down a similar sort of route, then, what is the alternative? Do we actually just start becoming the the team that just spends money and hopes to win things and progress that way because for me whilst the the football side of it this season's been really difficult, I've still kind of had this wee bit at the back of my head that oh well working towards something really, really clear, and well they see it as clear they have a clear philosophy that they're wanting to. To work to and if if that's not there then what are we working towards, I guess would be my main question. But it's all ifs and buts until we until we know, I guess, because even if he is going if he is rumored like actually on a ten year contract, I mean for all we know he could be here for months and months yet.
0: Yeah, I mean the the articles that are popping up on sort of Dutch football Twitter and newspapers and stuff, I'm not gonna try and pronounce the names of the ones that I've read on, but um they are I think you should. I I I am not going to uh, because I've al- I think I've already butchered Van Gaal's name a couple of times, so even if I can't even get that right, I'm not saying the name blogs and stuff. But there's um, a few of them that do mention that mention this the ten year contract, which you know it's never been officially confirmed by Queens Park, but it was pretty well rumored, and I think it was even maybe mentioned in a couple of interviews um, in the last eight year or eighteen months or so. But my my biggest concern is it's what's what is left behind. I think you mentioned it, you know, what's here for moving on without him, because we are, we're less than two years, he was announced as the Queen's Park Director of Football in November 2021. Remember, he came into the club, he was in the club for like a week or two weeks or so, I think he actually got to Glasgow in December 2021, and then from January until March 2022, he was the manager, so he wasn't even really doing his job, so he, Oh, he's been under contract for less than two years. He's probably actually been doing his actual job for less than eighteen months now i'm I am somebody that that very much buys into the 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 sort of philosophies that he has the way that he talks and, and the thing you know his his way of working in football. I know some people maybe don't buy into it as much, but I'll put my hands up and say I do buy into it. I think he will have done he, you we can all see what he has done at Queen's Park things that have been put in place all these. Not just the coaches, um, you know, like on the Facebook, you know, the guys like Paul Noyton and, and all these other guys that are coming in, but it's it's the things that you don't really hear much about, you know, it's like the, the sports scientist guys, there's like lifestyle coaches and advisors and stuff like that. It's it's all this it's all this mentality, it's all like the like the, the kids training sessions and all that, he's like involved in that as well and planning that and it's like a progression year on year. And my concern is if he leaves has he had enough time here to set up those systems for, you know, just self sufficient without him? I I don't know. I I can't imagine he has after just such a relatively short period of time for the changes that have happened. And then where do you go from here? Because we've gone out and we've gone and got a big name from a big club. You know, from AZ Alkmaar. We've aimed high there. So high that he's been tapped up by one of the biggest clubs, one of the most famous clubs in Europe, can we can we go and sign a a cheap option after that? You know we have surely we have to aim high again, and then how do you put in place? You're not going to lose that person after twelve months or eighteen months? You know it it leaves a lot of questions as to how we're going to be left right now, and where do we go next in terms of the replacement and what what route do we go down there? And, you know, money, your compensation, if he is working at a notice, his contract being put where does that go? Does that go towards a new director of football? Does that go towards the first team? Unfortunately, it just to me, I feel like the more that I think about it, the more questions I end up coming up with.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> there's been very little continuity on the football side of things. When you think about the, the series of managers that we've went through since we went professional and obviously Bucher came in and then started to try and build on the the continuity side because that's obviously the point of his role, isn't it? It's to be that sort of longer-term thinker, even although your managers might change he's thinking about three, four years down the line and then for that to get thrown up in the air, suddenly you've got no continuity. On the football side of the pitch, you've got a lot of questions on the off field side of the pitch as well and it's just well I mean I personally I find it all quite unsettling and I just think that I kind of want somebody to just come out at some point if if, obviously we're all talking an inference right now right because it hasn't been confirmed the internet is telling us that it sounds like it's confirmed as far as Ajax are concerned but we've heard nothing official from the club but if he does end up going um, I think pretty much everybody would appreciate some form of open communication about what the what the plan is and I would like to think exactly what you said that the club haven't been negligent and have realized that someone like Bucher working at Queen's Park for a decade might be unrealistic and that there is a plan B or a plan C or whatever may be for when that um for when that eventually happens. Because even when he was talking about when he signed Veldman, he said his next job was to go and figure out who Veldman's replacement was because he needs to have like a succession plan basically if he does leave because football is is wild and that's exactly what we're seeing playing out for him here
1: Yeah, it's, um, I think there's just a lot of speculation and, and uncertainty because we, we truly don't know everything that has been going on behind the scenes and what work has I mean, we have ideas, we know that there's you know, the implementation of young Queen's Park as a as a thing and in the way that the the um the different age groups play football and the teams that they play in and stuff like that. We we know a bit about that. But the truth is, since that was initially sort of announced, it's not actually something that the club have talked about too much and we 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 just don't really have a good idea of what has been going on and how much change really has been implemented and i suppose we never will <laughs> it would just be nice as you say that when when the club gets if it gets confirmed it would be nice for the club to come out and say listen you know we understand that that people are going to be concerned but we are planning on doing this we're doing this we've got this in place and 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 everything's going to be all right
0: <laughs> yeah i am um... I do feel it's, it just upsets me again, because he is like the one, uh, you know, you're talking about continuity and things like that as well, he's like the one sort of, (laughs) the one decision maker at the club right now, where you can go, yeah, okay, he's doing that. Now, whether you agree or disagree with maybe the decisions that have been made, you at least know, like, he's done that, you you know, you can say that's Mariah Bucher's decision. There's been so much at the club over the last three five five years you know ever since we turned professional there's been so much that you just don't really know what's going on do you and, and it is it's it goes back to old concerns and problems with the the club when we were an amateur club and you know run like a, a bowling club committee um it just doesn't feel like it's got any better recently and if you lose the one person that is visibly making decisions in one way or another i, I I just I don't know where that leaves me or how that leaves me feeling right now, to be perfectly honest. Do you know what I would say? I would say we'll worry about it once it's actually confirmed.
1: Uh, do you know what I'll be curious about as well is, is when it is confirmed whether the club will actually tell us right away or they'll wait until he's worked his notice period. Because Ajax will likely it'll have, I have been it.
0: announced. He'll be standing with an Ajax shirt. and yeah. that's... <laughs> uh, Like Liam Brown, aye. aye. He'll, have <laughs> be, he'll, he'll have already signed Callum McKenna before Queen's Park. Have he'll played.
2: have ended up managing Ajax or something like that for a couple games <laughs> yeah. and then he'll get announced.
0: Well, uh, maybe, maybe I... I Maybe we can get a wee wonder kid or two back on loan in January if he does indeed go. Who knows? Um, maybe that could be put into the contract. But yeah, we will wait and see if that is indeed confirmed. But that's certainly uh, certainly looking like it's due to be announced any day now. We'll uh, be very keen to see how that goes from here. Uh, let's move on to more good news. Let's talk about Friday night. This one coming. Partick Thistle at Hampden. Not on the TV this week. Uh, uh, this game has been moved to Friday night because Scotland women are playing on Tuesday, I believe it is, Um, so the game has been moved to give the pitch an extra day to recover, so not on the BBC, the only way you're going to see this game is by going to Hampden and making the trip and yeah, taking it in in person. What, uh, Calum, you first, what are you expecting to see from Partick Thistle? We all know, obviously, 3-1 game at Fur Hill was a bit of a rough one, especially for our full-backs <laughs> on the day. Uh, Cammy Bruce, I don't think he's played, or he's played very little since. Ben McPherson has just came back and had a, a really good game, you know, a man-of-the-match performance. Uh, what are you expecting to see from Thistles? it can be more of the same and more of that big diddy Brian Graham?
2: Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, the, they'll set up the same way that every other team has. They will run at our full backs. There'll be questions about... Well, they'll be questioning our full backs on whether they can defend one-on-one. Lawless, I mean, that was pretty much the last that we've seen of Bruce um, after the the Thistle game, and then Robson came back into the team. Uh, Lawless absolutely tore him apart, unfortunately. Fitzpatrick's another good player as well. So, yeah, I fully expect to see them set up in a similar way. They'll they'll run at us, they'll take us on 1v1, and then they'll just try and lump something into Graham, who will probably get on the end of it as it always seems to do against us. Um and that's what I'm hoping that that we can set up to defend against that because we know what's going to happen, we know exactly what the players are, we know what they can do, and we need to figure out an answer to these sort of teams because We've uh, we've we've not really done it so far. Aside from that, I'm expecting it to be. I don't know. I, I'm not expecting it to be the best of games. Thistle aren't on the best runner form. I'm still a lot of questions, obviously, about ourselves. I could see it being a wee bit um, a wee bit scrappy, perhaps. But honestly, see if we came away somehow, just get ourselves a win. I would be elated, even if it was a worst performance ever. At this point, I will take anything—a scrappy win. <laughs> Charlie Fox can come back on and go on go on as striker again if he fancies it. If he scores this time, I'll I'll take anything. I'm 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 desperate.
1: I yeah, and see when you say it, it would be brilliant for us to to be able to set up in such a way that does restrict them from scoring. Um, but I. I don't know how realistic that is until... Aye, what is that? What is that? I don't know what that is. So do you know, I'm I'm actually of the belief that the best form of defence in this game is just to attack and to hopefully actually find the back of the net a few times. That way, if we score four, it's fine if they manage to beat us three times. Um, I, I just, I don't know how realistic that is. I agree with you though. Listen, right, people always talk about football, play, playing nice football and this and that. As a fan, personally, I'm entertained by winning and I, and I don't care how that comes. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I would I would love to win every single game with a scrappy rubbish 1-0 because you're still going to win every tournament you're in um, but I recognise that that's not why everybody goes to the football um, I really don't know what to expect because I, there's there's a weird sort of, it's weird because last season we did have a good, I mean we had a good record against Thistle so last season, it was just sort of overshadowed by that final game of the season after we'd collapsed when we went to Ferhill and we got pumped by them and then they there was the first leg at Hill, which was disappointing obviously the way we threw that a potential draw away but ultimately they 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 destroyed us at View as well but you know we, we did well against them last season we did we did really well overall um, and there's a, there's a weird I don't know where it's coming from but there's a really small weird part of me that wouldn't be shocked if we somehow get a result here I just have like you said I've got I'm so so nervous about guys like Stephen Lawless on that big pitch of Hamden against our open high defensive line like that I've genuinely been having nightmares about that and I, d- I don't know um, <laughs> yeah. it could it could be bad I just fingers crossed it won't be fingers crossed this is a game where it finally all clicks
0: It could, yeah, I agree with you it, it could be a disaster that way and I think you could be right that attack is the best forward defence um, Thistle had Muirhead sent off against Dundee United and they subbed on um, oh, well, Waziri Williams, Williams yeah, Waziri Williams, who um, you know, by all accounts early on in the season was, was having a bit of a shocker and indeed he, he hadn't actually played since, I'm just looking at it right now he hadn't actually played since the, the League Cup game against Hearts where they lost 4-0, that was back in the middle of August mm, yeah. so that was his first 10 minutes of football coming on just last week against uh, Dundee United so if they are having to resort to him at centre-back he potentially could be a, a weak link that you'd hope that Queen's Park could could attack. Um, in terms he's, of Queen's Park attack, that's, oh,
2: that's a pretty young defence, then, isn't it? Because if you're having yeah. Williams, is he not like twenty two, twenty three? Have they not got that boy on loan from, from from Hearts, Nielsen? Yeah, Nielsen. Nielsen young. Yeah. And then the the right back, um, I'm I'm not gonna, I, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, but he's twenty one as well, I think. So. That's, yeah, it's
0: uh, just Harry Belland. is the Harry Belland, the, the old head there at twenty six. I'm, right I'm not convinced. Uh,
2: he's still I'm not. I've seen decent, but I, <laughs> I, they make out as if he's like a world beater, and I'm. I i do not really buy that, to be honest.
1: I had a couple of debates with Thistle fans last season about Harry Milne. I agree that he's overrated. I'm not saying he's bad. I don't think he's a bad player at all. I think he's a competent Championship player. But there were points last season where Thistle fans were talking about how he was really going to make it all the way to the top, and he's not. He's going to be a, a decent Championship player. Maybe one day he'll end up playing for a lower end Premiership club, but he's 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 not better than that. I think he's he's fine. But I, I just I, I think they I think they do. I think they they talk a bit too highly about him. Well, I don't know. I've actually not heard. Quite so much praise going his way this season, to be fair. But last season, it was um, aye, they
0: they they really really overhyped him a lot. Yeah, no, they did. Did they, they've got a, a fan base that that do talk a fair bit, don't they? Few of them in the league. But they, let's let's go back to Queens Park. If we're go, if we are going to have attack as the best form of defence, what are we going with? Obviously, Barry Hepburn's going to be suspended. Do you think it will be Longridge, Thomas, and well, I think it's Payton's definitely going to be up front, but. Who would you be going wingers? Would you change the formation? Because I'm going to say it, Tom Thomas has been poor recently and I just don't know. I don't know what we, else we can do. I don't know what we can do to give him a spark to, to lift him but because there's not really any other options on the bench. So what, what do you think we can do to get Tom Thomas more involved in the game?
2: Answers uh, answers on a postcard I have absolutely no idea I, I, I don't even see there's any point in talking about formation changes because I don't think he's going to change anything significant we've only seen two real formations this year which is the sort of 4 2-2-2 two, 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 and then the, the standard one that we've been playing most weeks so I I, I doubt that that's going to change. Line up wise the biggest questions for me are who are you playing at, uh, at centre back really Um I think Hepburn, it's Hepburn, sorry, McPherson picks himself after playing well, which means that Longridge will end up playing out in the right because Healy doesn't seem to be anywhere near the squad. So Dom Thomas on the left, which is where I would want him to be anyway. We know that Dom Thomas can come in and out of seasons, right? So for me, there's a bit of like, I think if the team does well, then Dom does well, or maybe it's vice versa. If Dom does well, the team does well. I'm not too sure. (laughs) It's a bit Uh, of
1: both sometimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But for the the centre back position for me is the is the biggest one because there's a bit of me that like I just want Charlie Fox to be playing and to be playing well because he's so effective when he does and I think he's got a better chance up against Brian Graham and his physicality than uh, not that uh, I mean Reed came on and he's a, he's a, he's a big lad he's no uh, he's no shrinking violet but I wouldn't mind seeing Fox playing if I'm honest alongside who. I don't know. I think it would be banning for me. Um, I think Tazard was. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to come back from that the game after when you're coming into a tough opposition. So I think I'd be inclined to go banning Fox.
1: I, I mean, I, I can't really disagree with any of that. I, I think it all. It all makes sense, really. It's it's difficult. I I really struggle to know what changes should and shouldn't be made going into these games. Just because, well, that's exactly it. It's not as though like sometimes the odd change is really bringing us to life, and you're going right, okay, we need to we need to carry on with that, and we need to start like that. It's just that nothing, (laughs) as you said, nothing's working, and that's a wee bit um, that's a wee bit problematic. Bit of a rogue suggestion though, in terms of trying to get Dom Thomas back into the game and, and trying to get him back on form. What about relieving him of the responsibility of the captain's armband and letting him be a bit more free to just focus on actually playing?
0: I mean, I, I'm up for trying anything right now. So, um...
1: and it's not it's not that a, it's not a criticism of him as a leader. I think he can lead the team in his own way. I think I think his leadership is more valuable by him turning up and being our best player on the park rather than trying to do all the wee things that are involved in being a captain and, and, and maybe letting that distract him from from the real reason he is one of the best players in this division
2: it's tricky isn't it because we obviously we've had robson as captain for a while now we've got thomas you're running out of senior players me. i don't
1: i don't sorry. think a goalkeeper is the kind of player that's going to I don't think it's going to impact their performance because they're not in the game hundred percent of the time the same way as somebody like Dom Thomas really should be. I think a goalkeeper has that vantage point where they can sit back a bit and 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 take a breather and 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 do those kind of leadership things. But then when they are called upon, they can focus entirely on that. Whereas a guy like Dom Thomas, it, you're 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 really juggling various elements. you're, you know, various elements of um of your game by by also focusing on, on being captain. I don't I think know. Where,
2: I think that's where it's tricky though, isn't it? Because I think uh, Ferry might have been in with a shout for that had Callum McKenna not existed, and we still don't know what the intentions are from Feldman when McKenna becomes available again. Obviously Ferry's putting in a, an absolute showing recently, so it would, be, it would be incredibly harsh to pull him out of the squad, but everything that we see and hear about Ferry is that he's sort of ultimate professional. So it it wouldn't be a bad shout from from, from my perspective. I mean I, I do I do wonder how much that actually impacts on a player's performance whether when they're on the pitch. I I don't know, but um yeah. Uh, to be I fair, I'm just I'm yeah.
1: exactly just spitballing ideas here because we're so so let's get to the stage you I mean what what else do you do? I don't I'm not necessarily even saying that's the right thing to do, just putting that out there as a as a suggestion. No.
0: Well, I mean, we have seen it with some players coming in and taking the armband, and it and it does affect their performance. So maybe I do also. I do wonder myself, you know, how much does it affect a player? But as I say, <laughs> there's there's plenty of uh, plenty of previous times where you see players getting given the armband and then taking it off them, and they re- they rediscover their form. So I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it does have an impact. But well, we'll see what decisions are made by Ron Veldman on Friday night. Uh... Which we just move on and do some score predictions? Uh, did anybody have Turner, Turner for the first goal for the Airdrie game for Queen's Park?
2: No. So no. that means... Another week of no points. No points for the <laughs> fourth consecutive week in a row. Um, okay, so... Thistle. So, uh, I am going to go... I'll go 2-1. 2-1, Queen's, and I will have... Peyton and oh, Payton, I can't do burn. I'm going to go with Peyton and Jack Thompson as a goal scorer. I can't see a scenario where we don't concede a goal in any game ever at this point. So I'll uh, I'll go with that.
0: Fair enough. I am um, I can see uh, an occasion where we don't concede a goal, and that's because it's Partick Thistle, and I really don't want them to score. So give me two 0 Queens Park. I don't want anybody to score against his David <laughs> Well, I'm starting I'm starting here this Friday with Partick Thistle and then yep the week after, yep, that'll be they're not scoring either and so on and so forth. Um so yeah, 2 0 Queen's Park and Can't have Peyton first goal, so I will take I'll take Dom Thomas first goal. Go on. This is his bounce back game because I mean he, he pretty much carried the team um the for hill. I'm I'm thinking back obviously it's the end of last season, isn't it? The the first leg of the playoff. He, he dragged the team up to uh, getting back to 3-0, of course. Yeah. I didn't see that late goal, but he shows up for those big games, and Partick Tissel's a big game. So, yeah, Dom Thomas first, and then it will give me Rooney Payton second.
1: I was actually going to go 2-0 as well. Um, I'll go 3-1, actually. I'll go 3-1. Um... I'm gonna go with one from Turner, one from Peyton and one from Robson. Robson's been poor recently, but I feel as though he's gonna recognise that he's not been at his best and, and I think he'll turn a corner eventually. So I'd, I'd like it to be I'd like it to be Friday night ideally. And I think he'd probably like it to be Friday night as well.
2: That is the exact same score lines that we all predicted for the very first game of the season against Inverness. Really? It is, <laughs> hey. Not the same goal scorers, but um yeah. Oh no! Wait, actually, you did pick the, the same goal scorers, David. Now that I'm looking
0: back, aye, Peyton there Thomas. <laughs> Stop reminding me of all these times I've I've made the incorrect predictions. <laughs> 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 uh, right, okay. Elsewhere in the championships, round things off. So you've got Dundee United against Arbroath. Uh, that's also one friday night is that one on the telly oh no that's is that not being moved for their is that there like centenary game or something like that i'm sure
1: uh, that's right because our both actually if I, if I remember correctly our both said
0: no they didn't want yeah. to move to the friday night you picked up a fuss about that i which i mean i agree with because it's no it's just being moved for i mean nostalgia's sake i mean is that really a reason to to move a game especially and I think the point that our both were making was, you know, they've got part-time players, so... Fridays don't guys really for Yeah, Fridays are, you know, midweek games should only really be if it if it has to be. I and, mean,
1: it, <laughs> I realise it did have to be for us last season, but I don't think we're the ones to talk about Friday
0: night games. Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's also a good point. I right, let's move on, shall we? Um, okay, then, on the Saturday, Air against Morton, Inverness against Airdrie, and Wraith Dunfermline. Uh I feel like it's a little bit harder that, I'll say. Enzo, we always came to you and said, "All right, give us an upset or something." But I just feel like it's a little bit harder to pick these upsets. I feel like that kind of. I feel like maybe it's air Morton draw, Airdry win, Wraith win.
1: Wraith should win, yeah. What I will say is that the 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 um, the five derby tends to be quite a close game, regardless of the form that either side is on. It's always quite it's always quite tight. Uh, I don't think you know. Dunfermline haven't played well in recent weeks, and I don't necessarily think they're going to get a result. But I don't think that I could see them maybe only being a goal in it or something like that. And maybe they could sneak a draw. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be a massive shock if they did.
2: You're right. I think I was just looking at the head to head for that game, and it was out of the last seven, five of them have been draws. Um, yeah, with Dunfermline one and one, and Wraith one and one, so. Aye. I, 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 don't, I don't have any particular upsets in my head, to be honest. Um, I don't think Ayr seem to be on a pretty good run of form, so I think they'll hopefully beat Morton. I, I say hopefully because I kind of want someone confined to the bottom of the table. Oh, 100%. Uh, that would yes, make me Morton. feel so much
1: better about how we're doing right
2: now. Yeah, and if it's Morton, then even better, frankly. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, aside from that, I don't think I've got any particular shouts. I think Dundee United will comfortably dispatch of our Arbroath and, I don't know, will we be the upset? Queen's beating Thistle? I think that, that would be classed as an upset at this point, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's, uh, that's on the cards for sure. There we go then. Um, well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, we're looking forward to this Friday. We'll see you both there, obviously. Um, I think I'm going to be combining it with a wee working in the office day in the city centre and I think that always shouts for a, a an early finish and a, a couple of early jars in the city centre, so I'm really looking forward to that.
2: Nice, nice. to
0: take a, a long
1: weekend or something. I've just got that many holidays left to use this year. I was thinking that maybe um, an early start in the pub on Friday. I don't know. I'll see. I probably won't do it, but it's it's, a, it's an option at this point.
0: <laughs> when you're when you're that close to the pub as well, Enzo, I mean, you might as well, eh? Are you suggesting that I just go
1: when I'm meant to be working anyway? I'm...
0: Um, Listen, I'm not saying you should, but I'm not saying you shouldn't. So that, <laughs> I, I, am, I am not getting caught up in anything legally there. Okay? You, 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 like the off chance to
1: say anybody from my work's listening to this, and that seems very <laughs> unlikely. I have no intention of doing that. I will be working on Friday unless I do take it off.
2: <laughs> I will be Aye. working unless I'm not.
0: <laughs> unless I have give the
2: permission not to.
0: That, I, that's the kind of conviction that we need here when we're making these, making the predictions that we do every week. But there we go. Calvin Enzo. It has been a pleasure as always. Continue to find us on Twitter at Spiderstalkpod, and of course, you'll continue to find us in all the threads on Pie and Bovro relating to Queen's Park. Thank you once again for continuing to listen to us this week. We'll see you all again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Play for the sake of the game. Play for the sake of the game.